This week's terrific episode of Election Profit Makers is sponsored by Bloom Farms Wellness. Bloom Farms Wellness makes CBD products to help you relax and improve the quality of your life. Products include balms, tinctures, vapes. Let's talk about tinctures for a moment. They sent me something called the Dream Tincture. Put two drops under my tongue for a good night's sleep. It works. They also sent me a little vape pen for relaxation. All their stuff is grown and produced in the USA. No solvents, no additives, nice packaging, I must say. They also have, this is very nice, a give back program. For every product sold by Bloom Farms, they donate one healthy meal to a family in need. Since 2015, they have donated 3 million meals. Get in on the action, improve the quality of your life, do a good thing. Go to this website, bloomfarmswellness.com slash EPM for 15% off your order. That's bloomfarmswellness.com slash EPM. Welcome to Election Profit Makers. You did it once again. You made a smart consumer decision. You've tried those other podcasts. Now try trading up. It's Election Profit Makers, a podcast about winning and losing money on political outcomes and current events in our wild and wacky world. Friends, this is America 2021. We're here to thrive, jive, and just have fun like bees in a hive. What's the buzz about? Oh, just the hottest podcast, Election Profit Makers, EPM to the locals. Don't mind if I do. We're going to have a lot of fun this week on this week's show. There's a lot of good news coming out of Texas. It'll lift your spirits to hear us discuss it. Who am I? (laughs) Glad you asked. My name is Kid Midas, the original wave rider. Everything I touch turns to gold or lead, but let's not talk about that right now. The name, simply put, is David Reese. Joining me from Carborough, North Carolina, way down south in the old North State, is the one and only Long John Silver, a.k.a. Helicopter Tony, a.k.a. John Kimball. John, can you hear me? Yeah, I hear you loud and clear, as usual. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm great. I'm great. The dew point is below 70 for the first time in many months. Word to the wise, we do get somewhat nerdy here on Election Profit Makers. <laughs> dew points, infrastructure, elevations, demographic, population centers, pressurized buildings. You never know what you might come across as you browse the trending topics in our minds. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. Take it away, okay. John. What's going All on? All right. Um, I heard you had lunch. With, oh, uh, that's right. A little, uh, I can report some breaking news from the society pages. A lot of our listeners have been asking, what happened to the one and only Starly Quinn, Starly Kine? When is she coming back? What does the future hold Yeah. for the third member of the Election Profit Makers team? Now, I can't answer those questions right now, but I can tell you, if you want to know where Starly Quinn was last Sunday afternoon, she was enjoying chips, guac, and margaritas with the one and only Kid Midas in the Big Apple, New York City. I don't know why I'm still doing that voice. Uh, I know why, because it's fun. Yeah. Yes, that's right. If you were a member of the paparazzi, the Italian camera fiends who love to hound celebrities, you would have had quite an eyeful as you took some candid snaps of Kid Midas and Starly Quinn dipping chips into guacamole and toasting with some late afternoon margs. So, you were in Brooklyn. Were you underwater at the time? No, this was uh, a couple days after Ida passed through and dumped a bunch of water and flooded many subways and even the Brooklyn Queens Expressway somehow. Um, But we were high and dry. Okay. Uh, How is Starly? 
Starly seems good. She's been, she has a lot going on. That's why yeah. she hasn't been here. I met her new dog. Of course, Opapa, her previous dog, has passed away. Yeah. Has, has gone to his eternal rest in the great, the great grassy fields of the afterlife. But the new dog was full of energy and had a little bit of some Opapa vibes. So Starly seems well. She said to tell everyone she, that uh, she's read your messages and she says hello and, quote, you haven't heard the last from old Starly Quinn. Rest Aww. assured, if I'm ever to rock a mic again, you will be the first to know as I spit hot fire and rain destruction upon all my enemies. Is that That's really a good? direct quote. Well, Starly, we, everyone misses you. We miss you. And I hope you're doing okay. The sabbatical and- continues. But there's no rest for the wicked, John. Yes. As the two active co-hosts of Election Profit Makers, we're recording this on Labor Day mm-hmm. uh, because we hate unions and we hate organized labor and we yearn to be exploited and desiccated by the bloodthirsty, money-lusting uh, bosses who control the entire economy. That's right. We have the right to work and we will. I don't just have the right to work. I have the passion to I have a passion right. to work. And I don't want a union to come in and tell me I get to go to the bathroom if I'm working at an Amazon warehouse because my passion for labor leads me to pee in bottles. Yeah. I don't want to waste time washing my hands or flushing a toity. <laughs> I, just want to, I just want to uncap another Poland spring, empty its contents all over the warehouse floor, and then fill it with my hot urine as I sort more boxes and packages for delivery across the heartland of America. Texas, USA, the Lone Star State. Just a massive, huge state. What are the other fun nicknames for Texas? The Lone Star State. Do they have any other nicknames? Mm, Big no. Bertha. No. The Gun Fuckers and Suckers. Yeah, that's one. Uh, what's the long? What's the Longhorn State? Is Texas the Longhorn State? I don't think they're called the Longhorn State, but they are the Longhorns. Maybe they are the Longhorn State. Well, we should change Texas's nickname to the Headline State because they certainly generated a lot of headlines in the past week. What do you think about that, John? That was good. That was good. You know, I thought actually back to last week where I was kind of saying, you know what? Life is always terrible and, you know, we're going to be fine. And There's always troubles, you said, something like that. There's always troubles ahead. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I hope people didn't misconstrue that as me just like uh, uh, – downplaying everything that we're going through because yeah it does totally suck and this week again uh more bad stuff happened in that joe rogan got covid the true tragedy out of texas is that beloved radio host or podcast host joe rogan a free-thinking truth teller who's not afraid to say what is on his mind even if it ruffles a few feathers of the elites uh tested positive for covid he got covid and uh so he's been taking a bunch of cutting-edge medications did he take the horse dewormer? He did, didn't he? He did. He took a bunch of uh, crap. Uh, but then he took Regeneron, which is is, is an actual cutting-edge uh, medicine. Um, well, it's nice he had access to that. Yeah, it is nice. So he'll, But in the end, when he recovers, which I guess he has at this point, he'll probably say that it was the horse dewormer that did it and not the Regeneron. But it's, it's crazy, right? Oh, is it? I don't want to put the vaccine in my body, but I'll put every other thing in my body. Well, I do want to touch on this really quickly. People are poo-pooing those who take horse dewormers because it's a product designed for a horse, not a human. Humans are not horses. I don't care what you read in Greek mythology. Well, I think there is, just for the record, I think there is a version that can be used by humans. Of it, of 
ivermectin or whatever it's yeah. called. Yeah, but that's not what, what many of these people are taking. They're taking right. the actual, it's got a picture of a horse on it. So this is what this is what caught my attention. There was a period in my life before I had the long hair I'm currently enjoying slash hating, when I rarely, if ever, washed my hair. It was just too much work, and uh, it looked better. I could shape it if it was caked with grease and grime. Mm -hmm. However, there was a period where I can't remember if it was peer pressure um, from a romantic partner, or maybe I was experimenting with actually washing my hair and then styling it with product. There was a period when I was in the market for shampoo after not having shampooed for maybe a decade. And this was a period in my life, surprise, surprise, where I was not blessed with an abundance of liquidity. So I went to the grocery store, the pharmacy, and bought the cheapest shampoo there was. And would you know, the cheapest shampoo is this wonderful product called Mane and Tail. M-A-N-E and T-A-I-L. John, can you guess the nature of this shampoo? Are you being serious right now? It's a horse shampoo. There's a picture of a horse on the bottle, but it is also recommended for humans. Oh, okay. So who am I? Who am I to turn up my nose at maniacs, anti-vaxxing maniacs who refuse a vaccine made for humans and instead turn to the horsey medicine aisle for their, for their COVID cures when I myself enjoyed a horse-centered product that found application upon a human head? Mane and tail shampoo, that thing, I, I think I paid $1.29 for like six gallons of this stuff. Yeah, see, I don't think that holds up, though, because you were doing it to save money, right? Right. Why are they doing it? Well, They're not saving money. The vaccine is free. I know. It's still kind of crazy that it's free. Yeah, it's free. So they're spending money on the horse stuff. That's true. Yeah. They just don't want the vaccine because they don't know what's in it. Right. They all have PhD in horseology. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows what's in a horse dewormer. It's obvious. Mm-hmm. Anti-worms. And COVID is like a tiny microscopic worm. It's like an earthworm. It wiggles around and gets in your body and makes you cough and sneeze and then you die. So what's the best way to get rid of these nasty little COVID worms? A dewormer. Who makes the best dewormers? Horse medicine makers. Oh, yeah. So Rogan got it. He's uh, recovered. He's... Uh Hero. Didn't Alex Jones also get it? I don't know if we want to even talk about that. I haven't really thought about Alex Jones recently. Oh, yeah. Alex Jones got it. He went on, called uh, uh, Fauci a demon, said he would never die, dumped out a bunch of ivermectin and said he was taking it. I've come, come down with COVID. Uh, I just got ivermectin and I've got some uh, oatmeal here that I've, I've infused with some uh, b- uh, beta lasers here. Uh, don't take the uh, vaccine, folks. Uh, that's a Fauci demon product. Uh, it'll uh, turn your uh, thumb into a pinky finger. Nobody wants that. So uh, what I did is I made a broth out of the bones of my enemies, and then I drank it while I was sitting upside down. I've never felt better. I've been six, uh, 600,000 pounds yesterday, folks. And then he was like, uh, Char- Charlie Sheen. Uh, <laughs> what, what, what did he <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, yeah. All right, let's talk about the other things in Texas. Uh, Abortion and voting rights. Texas has decided that the future is um, in just deputizing everybody to be snitches and creeps when it comes to these rights of voting and and women's body autonomy. Our Supreme Court 
including the delightful uh, friend to women everywhere, Brett Kavanaugh, punted on making a ruling about the legality of this new – this law is so creepy. I don't really know what mm-hmm. to say about it. I'm sure all our listeners have already heard about it. Yeah. No. It's uh, – yeah, it, it empowers private citizens to basically sue anyone who performs an abortion or – quote unquote, aids and abets such a procedure, which is a pretty broad definition. You know, it could could include, you know, a rideshare person driving you to an abortion clinic, theoretically. Somebody loaning someone money to cover the cost of the procedure. They're aiding and abetting. Right. Sherlock Holmes over here. I'm putting together a case that this woman had an abortion. And I've got a little list here of everyone I think aided and abetted her. And what I get to do is sue them and uh, and uh, if if my suit goes through, the government of Texas will pay me ten thousand dollar bounty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what's to say? And I guess there's still a chance that maybe they'll rule on it uh, when when this new case comes up in Mississippi later on. And the same dynamic applies with all the voting legislation passed by the Texas House. Yeah. I mean, it's the same type of stuff we've seen in a lot of places. They're taking aim at at urban areas and people of color, uh, voting initiatives that were taken by local areas um, that were really effective, like Harris County, which is um, where Houston is. You know, they're going to ban 24-hour voting, ban distribution of mail-in ballot applications, new ID requirements, enhancing poll watcher protections, because if anyone needs to be protected, it's the people harassing voters. If I'm a guy in Texas, here's my fantasy weekend. First of all, I put on my little Sherlock Holmes hat and my little magnifying glass when I go out and I find someone who's had an abortion. And then I go back to my garage and I make a little red string diagram of everyone who aided and embedded that abortion. And I try to sue them all and collect my reward from Governor Abbott, $10,000. And the other thing I do is I go on election day and harass people waiting in line to vote and I tell them that I'm a a poll watcher. I've been deputized by the government to be a poll watcher. So not only do I get to be a a Sherlock Holmes of the uterus, I also get to to be a a superhero of of the voting line, right? I have so Mm -hmm. much power. The, The Texas state government has given me so much power to act on my own accord and take the law into my own hands. And we all know that in Southern states especially, that always ends well. When groups of... When groups of highly motivated, emotionally charged people are are empowered to take the law into their own hands, that mm-hmm. always just ends terrifically. Yeah. Governor Abbott, the Republican governor of Texas, up for re-election next year. His approval rating has gone down. Uh, I think it's currently at around 41%. But I don't know if that's really because of all this stuff. And I do think there's something so gross when everyone's like, well, at least with the Texas abortion law, Democrats will have a very strong uh, platform to run on him in the midterms. Mm-hmm. I mean, that might be oh, – ugh. Well, yeah. I mean, you have to look at it politically. Some people, that's just the only way they look at things. I guess it's their way of coping, right? Right. Silver linings playbook much? Was that a good joke? Mm-hmm. It wasn't really a joke. It was just a reference. Yeah, so his, uh, his approval rank – Rating is terrible. It could be related to COVID. It could be like Biden's approval rating that is now underwater. Let's go to predict it. This is our coping strategy. We go to predict it. We turn on our sociopath mode and we only think about these things in terms of money, 
not the violation of fundamental human and American rights. Mm -hmm. Rather, an opportunity to profit. Right now on Predict It, the market Texas Republican nominee for governor, Greg Abbott, is at 87 cents. I assume that's a lock. He'll, if he runs again, he'll be the nominee. Mm -hmm. The one everyone's buzzing about is the Democratic gubernatorial nominee. Guess who's trading at number one at 41 cents, John? Who's that? Beto O'Rourke. Do you think he's really going to run? I don't know. Guess who's trading at number two at 22 cents to win the Democratic primary? Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. Texas, best of luck to you, folks. We wish you you well from the coasts. That would be kind of awesome, though. Yeah, you like that? Yeah, he'd be like... All right, all right, all right. And then he'd win. What do you think he would do about this uh, abortion law? Hmm. I don't know. It doesn't seem like anybody's really doing anything. None of the the corporations have come out against it. They all came out against the, the voting rights law, but nobody came out and said anything about abortion. I guess nobody want. they don't want to touch it. You know what? My prediction is that corporations are just going to be completely checked out from here on. This is not going to be like the early days of the Trump administration when members of corporate boards stopped showing up at the White House for a while. I think corporations from now on are going to be like, yeah, I guess we can just see the way this is headed and uh, why ruffle any feathers? We're here to make money. We're not here to make friends. Yeah. So I think the days of, I think the days of, of corporations disinvesting or even issuing statements about the sanctity of voting rights or a woman's right to choose, I think we're, we're reaching the, the end of that era because corporations are just going to be too fatalistic about it now. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. And, and, and I, I don't think it helps them in any way, honestly. There's no gain in it for them. Yeah, maybe the right thing to do, but it just is so controversial. The right is so bloodthirsty for revenge when that happens, you know, like the Georgia state legislature going after Delta uh, when they came out about the voting rights thing. On the other hand, the corporations will continue to produce advertisements and commercials that remind us that we're stronger when we're together. And it's only Orida tater tots that can celebrate diversity and all that makes us special. Right. It'll just be stuff like that. Right. That's okay. what I think. That's my that's my dark prediction. That makes sense to me. This is my fourth week in a row of just being in a foul mood about everything. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. They better pass some big ass bills and start start throwing money at it's problems. Darkest wrongly. before the dawn. I really think we. I keep Woo! thinking. I keep Woo! thinking that. We're topping out here. I know, I, I mean, like a month ago, I was like, we're at the top on Delta. We clearly weren't, but I kind of think we are now. Uh, it's becoming fall. It's getting cooler. That this infrastructure thing is going to happen. Mm. People are going to forget about Afghanistan. Mm. I think I think we're going to peak on, on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Oh, my God. I forgot we have that to look forward yeah. to. <laughs> Oh, what a country. Who used to say that? Yakov Smirnov? Oh, yeah. what a country. Was he talking about Russia or America when he said that? I think he was talking about America. California, Gavin Newsom recall, part four. This is the fourth installment on, of our Gavin Newsom recall tracker. Guess what, folks? Things have never looked better for Gavin Newsom when it comes to this recall. Last week, 538 uh, polling average about the keep versus remove Gavin Newsom was 50.6 for keep and 46.3 for remove. 
Things ticked up this week. Now Keep is at 53 and Remove is at 42.6. That's a 10-point spread in Gavin Newsom's favor. So we know he must be feeling pretty good about that. Larry Elder continues to dominate the Republican field. Republicans, it seems, do not seem discouraged by the revelation that Larry Elder said women are dumber than men when it comes to politics and that, and that they should have reparations for slavery, but it should go to the slave owners. I mean, you want to talk about a galaxy brain take? <laughs> Holy shit. That's next level. That's incredible. That wow. the slave owners should, have, should get reparations. Larry incredible. Elder. Speaking his mind. Wow. He did not focus group those takes. I will say that, you know? No, he's been the greatest thing to happen to Newsom here. Yeah, the fact that everyone is consolidated behind him. It's now a two-person race, and people realize that he's insane. So uh, I guess the polling could still be wrong. Is it off by 10 points? If it's off by 10 points, it still could be really close. Um, I will say that on Predict It where I've psychologically hedged by investing money that Gavin Newsom will be recalled, I am down 50% of that total value. Mm -hmm. So predicted seems to think he will not be recalled. Yeah. Because the latest yes price is 15 cents, and I bought it at 28 cents. And I kind of wonder if I should get out. Is it enough of a sure thing now, John, that I can get out of my psychological hedge? Yeah, I would say yes. You don't have to hold a psychological hedge until the market resolves, right? No, you don't have to. Um, but if you want to make money, Gavin Newsom is not going to be recalled. All right. I'm going to sell these shares then. The psychological hedge is done. I have 100 shares. I'm going to sell them right now at 14 cents. Let's see if my offer is accepted. Uh, bah, bah, bah. Something about the interface doesn't work anymore. I guess I just have to wait. I guess no one wants them. It's 14 cents. Well, we'll see. We'll see what yeah, happens. Just wait. Be patient. Uh, so once you sell those, you'll get in. And then why don't you just ride that up to like 95 cents or something and then get out? All right. Hold on just a moment, folks. I'm going to get back into the market now that I'm out of the market. And I'm not basing this on any analytics or anything. I just truly, from the very beginning on this, I've just felt kind of like I felt about Trump, which was wrong in that case. You know, mm -hmm. when I talk about Trump in 2016, I just thought there was no way that that could happen. And that's exactly how I feel this time. I just don't think there's any way it can happen that Newsom gets recalled. Well, I hope you're right, John, because I just bought 200 shares that Gavin Newsom will not be recalled and I paid 86 cents per share. All right, so you can make like, $25 there. All right. We'll see. We'll see. Or lose 170 I really wish you hadn't reminded me of, of how sure you were that Trump wouldn't win the election. Sure wish you hadn't reminded me of that because that makes me feel a little less confident, frankly, in your analysis. Yeah, but of you this. don't want to refight the, 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 the last war. Ooh. General Mattis over here. Uh -huh. Next up, John, what's on the docket? North Carolina. North Carolina, Madison Cawthorn? Madison Cawthorn took to the floor of the House last Monday to give a fiery speech about the Taliban and Joe Biden's leadership failures in Afghanistan. Oh, God. This is what we're going to do, John. Yeah. I'm going to read a transcript of Madison Cawthorn's remarks. Okay. I'm going to read his remarks, and you're going to rate these zingers, because there's a lot of zingers. This dude, this dude got in a lot of zingers in one minute. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Here we go. 
Madam Speaker, the Taliban is emboldened today. They have found a new reason to cry death to America. That reason is Joe Biden. Rate that zinger, one to 10. Mm, mm, I, I give that a, a three. I don't understand it because- That reason I, is Joe Biden. But he, Joe Biden is doing everything the Taliban wants, according right. to the Republicans. It doesn't make any sense. And, all right, so you give that a three. I give it an eight. Here we go, picking it back up. <laughs> that reason is Joe Biden. His foreign policy is not America first, it's Taliban first. Okay, that's a 10 out of 10 right there. Woo. Yeah, that was pretty good. Do you like that? Yeah, what he I like did that was one. he took the famous phrase America first, but he switched it mm -hmm. to Taliban first to emphasize the fact that Biden puts the Taliban ahead of America, even though it's Joe Biden who causes the Taliban to say death to America. I hate to say this. But even in the opening stanza of this epic poem, Madison Cawthorn has found himself on shaking rhetor shaky rhetorical footing. He's already contradicted himself, right? Right. Because if Joe Biden, if Joe Biden's policy, if you were to sneak into the Oval Office and pry open that desk and you found a piece of paper that said, my policy is Taliban first, you would think the Taliban would be loving Joe Biden. They wouldn't be saying death to America. Right. The Taliban would be chanting, we think Joe is great. Uncle Joe, Uncle Joe. Anyway, put that aside. Okay. Get back to these zingers. Ready? Okay. Here we go. This is Madison Cawthorn. Mr. President, listen carefully, and I'll say it slowly just for you. Okay. <laughs> that was 11 good. out of 10. You like that yeah. one, right? Yeah. It's Joe Biden's old yeah. as fuck. Yeah. yeah that's yeah. a good one. Neurologically damaged. Must say yep. it slowly. Well, Madison Cawthorn also called on uh, Vice President Harris to invoke the 25th Amendment and remove Joe Biden from office because of this Afghanistan debacle. But we'll save that for later. Here we go. Okay. Mr. President, listen carefully, and I'll say it slowly just for you. No man left behind. That's leadership. Hmm. That's neither here nor there. That's not a zinger. That's just stone-cold, axiomatic, hard-cold fact. Now he continues... And here's John. Whoo, here's where it gets heavy. Here's my pledge to the Taliban. Oh. This is when I got so excited. Speaking this is what directly I to the Taliban. Taliban were probably like in their little hut being like, turn it up, turn it up. He's got a pledge. <laughs> turn this up. Here's my pledge to the Taliban. You may chant death to America today, but mark my words. Uh-huh. The levers of power will be in strong hands soon. Okay, we're, he's building to something, right? Uh-huh. If you harm an American, we will rain down vengeance upon you with the wrath and fury that will put the fires of hell to shame. Wow. Oh, shit. What do you think, John? How do you rate that zinger? That's really good. Yeah, I've never heard anything like that. I've never heard talk like that before. Psalm 91 promises us that God will be our refuge and our fortress. But you do not worship my God or heed his promises. <laughs> He's addressing the Taliban. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, because we're pedantic, we want to say, uh, actually, Representative Cawthorn, uh, even hardcore fundamentalist Muslims, they technically do worship the same God. But Madison Cawthorn doesn't have time for that. You do not worship my God or heed his promises. So when we come for you, there will be no refuge, no cave, no crevice you can crawl into that will save you from our wrath. Oh, oh. Did you like that? Did that get you excited? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's great. It, it kind of seems like a lot of stuff that, that Bush said. 
I mean, we're coming yeah. up on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. We're going to start hearing all these familiar phrases again. Caves, oh, stuff about men cowering in caves, right. stuff about the wrath of justice, stuff about we're coming for you, get ready. Yep. With us stuff about freedom. You hate our freedom, terrorists. we're, we're going to get you. Yep. So to those who hate America and all that we stand for, read my lips. <laughs> and here comes the <laughs> toughest thing he's ever said. <laughs> then he said, I am young and I have a long memory. When power in Washington inevitably shifts, we will not forget you. <laughs> here we go, John. Because we're in the business of killing terrorists and pretty soon business will be booming. Mic drop. Do you like that? I like that. Yeah. I mean, he said he wanted to focus on comms. Yeah. I mean, he's all about comms. So now I'm going to read the whole thing once again with no interruptions, just so our listeners um, aren't deprived of the rhetoric standing on its own without commentary. Madam Speaker, the Taliban is emboldened today. They have found a new reason to cry death to America. That reason is Joe Biden. His foreign policy is not America first. It's Taliban first. Mr. President, listen carefully, and I'll say it slowly just for you. No man left behind. That's leadership. Here's my pledge to the Taliban. You may chant death to America today, but mark my words. The levers of power will be in strong hands soon. If you harm an American, we will rain down vengeance upon you with the wrath and fury that will put the fires of hell to shame. Psalm 91 promises us that God will be our refuge and our fortress. But you do not worship my God or heed his promises. So when we come for you, there will be no refuge, no cave, no crevice you can crawl into that will save you from our wrath. So to those who hate America and all that we stand for, read my lips. I am young and I have a long memory. When power in Washington inevitably shifts, we will not forget you because we're in the business of killing terrorists and pretty soon business will be booming. Madison Cawthorn. John? Jesus. It's incredible. <laughs> yeah. You're loving it, right? Yeah. I'm so glad that guy represents my state. So let's talk about options. There are six Democrats vying in the 11th Congressional District of North Carolina to unseat mm -hmm. Madison Cawthorn. Now, we have our favorite. We've made our pick. Jasmine Beach Ferrara. She is the one to beat. She's raised the most money. She's the smartest. She's the most progressive. She's the one who will represent Western North Carolina better than anyone. And she is a 1993 graduate of Chapel Hill High School. Like who? Like us. So we're all in on Jasmine Beach Ferrara. Yeah. I'm thinking, John, that we need to have some fun and raise a little money for Jasmine Beach Ferrara. To put, the, put the pressure on Madison Cawthorn. This is what I want to do. This damn Jack Reacher novel that I've been complaining about to everyone's delight. When I flew back from the East Coast to the West Coast this past weekend, listen to this. I didn't want to share this because it's so personal and distressing, but I'll, what the hell? The TV in my seat was not working. I could not watch movies or TVs. The hours I spent poking relentlessly, fruitlessly at this screen trying to get it to work to no avail. Absolutely humiliating. 
I told the flight attendants, their response was basically, we don't know what to tell you. Because meanwhile, the sinks and the bathrooms on this plane were not working. I've never had a flight crew apologize for the state of a plane more than this Delta crew did. I, we were flying like a fucking biplane from World War I. <laughs> it was outrageous. So I had to turn to written literature to keep myself occupied for these five and a half hours. So I picked up this Jack Reacher novel and I said, I'll give this fucking book one last try. And I had to put it down. It was so bad. Literally could not read it even though it was the only thing to read. Do you know what I did? I just sat in silence, staring into space like a fucking maniac. Yeah. You ever yeah. see someone do that on a plane? They just yeah. sit. Yeah. They're it's not me. reading. They're not listening to anything. It's me sometimes. I went into maniac mode. I'm sure everyone was so unsettled. Yeah, I've, I've done it. That's how unreadable this Jack Reacher novel is. But folks, this Jack Reacher novel would make a terrific keepsake or conversation piece in your home. And this is what we're going to do. If you donate to Jasmine Beach Ferrara's congressional campaign and send me a receipt, next week, the listener who made the largest donation, I will honor you on air. And not only that, I will inscribe this Jack Reacher novel to you with a personalized message from my own hand, and I will send it to you via first-class mail with my best wishes. That is our first fundraising premium. A slightly used, incompletely read, first edition of Jack Reacher, The Sentinel, authored by Lee Child and his brother Andrew Child in their first co-authoring collaboration. This is a this is a... This is a collector's item here. This is going to be like a Gutenberg Bible someday. Mm -hmm. Let me just make sure this is the first paper. Yep, this is the first Dell Mass Market paperback edition. I'm going to put this value somewhere between five dollars and $10,000. Let me give you this link real quick. It's a bit.ly link. Oh, bit shit. Yeah. It, uh, oh, it <laughs> shit. It just got real over here. Yeah. Bit.ly slash jackreacher420. All one word, all lowercase. That's where you go to donate. Bit.ly slash jackreacher420, all one word, all lowercase. Send the receipt of your donation to contact at electionprofitmakers.com. If it's the biggest donation we receive between now and next week's episode, you will receive in the mail a Kid Midas signed copy of The Sentinel. I'm excited about this. I'm ready to get back into fundraising mode. I don't feel Seriously. truly alive until I'm taking money from our listeners. So let's do this bit.ly slash jackreacher420. Maybe one, maybe one of you will be able to get through this Jack Reacher book and tell me how it ends. I don't have the stomach for it, but I might just be soft. I might just be broken from the past 18 months. <laughs> nice. Let's get it done. Let's do get it done. Let's have something positive here. Oh, John, I like this attitude. I like this new attitude. Let's work for something yeah. positive. It's yeah. time to get back in the game. Right. It's time to raise some money. Let's raise some money for JBF. Yeah. Let's turn to listener questions. Mm. All right. I know this is John. John was getting all optimistic and now I got to bring him back down to earth. John, we have a message from Joe. I'm heartbroken to hear that John, whose GeoGuessr exploits blew my mind so much that I told everyone to join the EPM Patreon just to watch. Thank you, Joe. That's patreon.com yeah, slash election profit makers. I'm heartbroken to hear that John thinks buildings can't be pressurized. 
as many of your Twin Cities listeners Did will I remember. Did I say that, buildings couldn't be Let me finish the damn, okay, let me right. finish the letter. I think you said that. Okay, as many as as many of our Twin Cities listeners will remember, the Hubert H. Humphrey Metrodome in Minneapolis, Minnesota was a pressurized building that for decades people enjoyed getting literally blasted out of upon exiting. The stadium had a fiberglass fabric roof that was self-supported by air pressure, per Wikipedia. John, I sent you this correspondence as soon as I received it at our email address, which is contact at electionprofitmakers.com. You wrote back an email to me that is truly the portrait of a broken man. With your kind permission, may I read this email to our listeners? <laughs> okay, this wasn't the plan. I did not want you to read this email. Is it o- sure, I, it's ahead. fine. There's yeah. no, okay. Here was John's reply after I forwarded Joe's email. John wrote back to me, FML. Stadiums are not the same as buildings. I know about those shitty, inflatable, pressurized piece of shit stadiums, and that's not what we're talking about. That said, all buildings do have some sort of pressurization going on that's different from the outside. Any enclosed space does. The question we want answered is if skyscrapers are pressurized specifically to overcome altitude like an airplane is. This dude, Joe, makes it sound like if I open a window in the World Trade Center, I'm going to deflate the building. Boy, John, how happy were you with Joe's email? I'm sorry. (laughs) Joe, that was not meant for you. I was going to answer that way more politically in public. Oh, Joe, Joe. And I did not mention mention (laughs) Joe's name. You sound like Madison Cawthorn talking about the Taliban. Joe, you do not worship the same God as me. (laughs) And my business is kicking Joe in the butt, and business is good. I did not say this to Joe. Oh, Joe. No, I appreciate Joe writing in. Um, I, I Look, I don't know what to say. I'm not an engineer. I don't know about pressurization in buildings. Obviously, there is some sort of HVAC pressurization that goes on in buildings and homes. You know, when you open a door, another door closes, or... That's no. It's like you you close a door, another door opens. But that no, actually John, happens. No, John, that's God. God yeah, does that. We don't do all that. Right. Monica wrote in, I, John. Uh, all right. The dog pile continued. Monica said, "One definitely can pressurize a building." My dad used to work for the local electric company performing energy audits. Over the years, he laid a bit of knowledge on me. I don't have precise memories of what he told me, and he's not around to confer with. But I remember him talking about using the HVAC system to create negative and positive air pressure in buildings. It's most noticeable when opening a door. As you, hey, did you just were you plagiarizing Monica's email just now? No, in, in your no, I oh, haven't. Okay. I haven't. I haven't read this. It is most noticeable when opening the door as you may have some resistance from the door, even if it's not on a hydraulic hinge or whatever they call those yeah. things. Now, I think whether you great. could do it enough in a skyscraper to alleviate any bad altitude-related feelings, I have no idea. It can be done in a large building such as an indoor mall, but those are usually only a few or several floors high. My feeling is that whenever... Okay, I don't want to hear Monica's flights of fancy and theories. She doesn't know, so... I'll, I'm going to skip all that because I don't want to spread misinformation about air pressurization right. in buildings. There's enough misinformation out there already. She concludes like this. I have my doubts, but I do remain open to the possibility. Somebody else sent me a link to a discussion of this very topic on Reddit. And there are tons of people saying, absolutely, you can pressurize a building. And there are just as many on the other side saying, you can't pressurize a building. And it sounds like it's a complicated subject. Um, 
And Are there any people saying that you can pressurize a building, but you have to use horse dewormer? Uh, that joke's a keeper. <laughs> no, I don't know if I saw that. The pressurization stuff, yes. That This isn't the most depressing thing for me. The most depressing thing was the fact that uh, Bill sent me a DM the other day and wanted more specifics on um, the 6,000-foot comfort barrier and, and what, what specifically I was looking for. And then he went out and was able to find an example, um, more than one example, like 10 or 12 examples of buildings in cities that were built above 6,000 feet sea level. So, and remind everybody what your crazy cockamamie theory is about the 6,000 foot yes, thing, my, switch my, that my, turns on and off. Yes, my epiphany and my theory, in which I've been trying to gather information for, is that you're, and, and the theory was very specific to the city of Denver, which is at 5,280 feet. And the reason why Denver doesn't have taller buildings is because they don't want to build up in above 6,000 feet sea level because that's when you start to reach some discomfort. And I think I said last week, I don't know if there's examples of buildings out there. I haven't found them. If you guys find them, let me know. Bill, let me know. I think somebody else on Discord had found them as well. There are the, – the examples we found were in Johannesburg and Nairobi. Almost all of these buildings were built in the 1970s. But actually, the tallest one was was built just a couple of years ago. And, and yeah, the, these cities are at like 5,700 feet, and they're, the buildings are like seven or 800 feet tall. So they go up to 6,300 or 6,400 I can't give you the specifics, but I did look into it and I verified them. So it's something uh, that's happened. Now, Bill later on said, "Well, maybe, maybe it, it, maybe because it was all done in the in the '70s that uh, all these in in their apartments, the reason why it hasn't happened more is that people in the upper floors are are feeling a lot of discomfort, so they just hang out with their friends down in the lower floors all the time." <laughs> I like that theory. But but a new one was built in 2019. So, but maybe it's pressurized. I don't know. Maybe we could talk about it for another four months. Here's the note that John sent me about this particular topic. It, oh, I sent a note on this? Yeah. The last line of the note you sent me was, "Ugh, I'm sick of this topic as I know you are. Little peek behind the scenes. Mm. Are we done with the 6,000 foot elevation theory pending definitive no, approval? I, I mean, from Alex I don't Jones think it's, about it's whether, never going to you know, happen. You know why they have those skyscrapers above 6,000 feet? It's uh, to make you so uncomfortable. They sign away your life rights to Dr. Fauci and he can eat your, uh, eat your uh, wife's embryos. Uh, they're, they're eating babies, folks, but they're only doing it on the top floors if you're above 6,000 feet because the air pressurization isn't working, folks. Take it from me. <laughs> they're eating babies up there on those top floors. All right. Moving on. Yeah, yeah, let's move on. John, returning to another, returning back to page to the conversation you had about boroughs where you bragged that Greensboro, North Carolina was the largest borough. Yeah. We heard from somebody who lives in a country called Canada who wanted mm -hmm. to let you know about a place called Scarborough, Ontario. Greensboro's no. population is 291,000. Scarborough, Ontario's population is 632,000. This, yeah. this listener, Damon, writes very saucily 
uh, you can see that that second number is actually over twice as large as that first number, really stomping our face in the fact that Scarborough, Ontario is larger than Greensboro, North Carolina. John, do you have anything to say for yourself about this oversight? When I was talking about the largest boroughs, I was talking about cities. He, he is a bit of a pedant and says <laughs> Now that, I'm seeing your private note to me about this guy. <laughs> John, these <laughs> private notes are brutal. Woo. Oh, God. Uh, it's all loved. It's all loved, Damon. John is being just disrespectful, but in these private notes, I can tell he's at his wit's end. Anyway, continue, John. Yeah, he says, if you had specified the largest cities with borough in their name, Greensboro would probably win. And the reason why that is is it's Scarborough, Ontario, is not actually a its own city anymore. And that's why it's not included. Oh. But he says that I did not specify cities. I just said the largest boroughs. And Scarborough is a borough, even though it's not an official city. So he it's claims a district. that it is- It's an administrative district of Toronto. Right. Oh. So- yeah, I guess you're right. But I mean, if we're going to keep drilling down like that, and I I could oh, argue that the largest borough is actually not Scarborough or Greensboro. <gasps> I could argue that the largest borough in the world is Brooklyn. Because I never said the largest borough had to have borough in the name. Oh, no. Bye-bye. So, Go home to mommy. What are you talking about? That is I, such a cheat. I, I, that is he's, such he's a cheat. cheating too, though. He's not cheating, John. You said the largest borough, and it was clearly implied that that meant a uh, that meant a population center that had the word borough at the it end was, of it, which Scarborough also, completely and, does. And also, it was completely implied that it was an actual city. Okay, I give you more. Okay, I'll give that some credence. But for you to say that Brooklyn is the largest borough, I mean, no. No, I'm just pointing that Come out that, that that that's ridiculous for me to say that. Are you implying that Damon's point is just as ridiculous as your own? I'm not sure no, I can go quite that far it, it, with you. I'm willing to share some credit with Scarborough. Uh, you know what, John? Here's the here's the thing that tw that turns it for me. Scarborough, up until 1998, was an independent city, yes. according to Damon. Yes. And the and population it, at that time was almost 560,000, yeah. which is almost double Greensboro. Right. So Scarborough was once the largest borough in the but world. And they made a fatal mistake. They transitioned from being a city to being an administrative district. For tax reasons. They wanted to save money. <laughs> Oh, they saved money, but they lost face because now Greensboro, North Carolina is the largest borough. John, I'm 100% on your side. I just decided. Damon, okay. we, we thank you for your research, but we have to, we cannot, we cannot join you in, in, your, in your argument about Scarborough. We're Greensboro for life over here. Do you think anyone's ever made a t-shirt that says, why be normal, but it's printed upside down? Ooh. That'd be kind of cool, right? Yeah. Oh, I want to say this too. I have too many damn election profit maker stickers cluttering up my table. So if any of you $5 Patreons want to DM me your address, I'll send you some stickers because I got to get rid of these stickers. Yeah. The word on the street is that Election Profit Makers is a Radio Point production, and the streets don't lie. With executive producers Alex Bach, Rich Corson, and Daniel Powell, with help from Houston Snyder and Kat Iosa. 
Uh, I already mentioned the Patreon. We're skipping that. I already mentioned the email address. We're skipping that, too. It's your lucky week, folks. A truncated version of the closing credits. If you want to try Predict It, go to predictit.org slash promo slash EPM20 to receive up to 20 American dollars in matching funds. It's free money. Why not try it? It's predictit.org slash promo slash EPM20. And rate and review us on this and that or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to the show and tell your friends and tell your family and tell your enemies. You keep chanting death to America, we'll keep making a wonderful podcast. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah, mark our words and read our lips. Read our lips. My name is Kid Midas, Mr. Taliban, and I'm young and I have a long memory. Actually, it's kind of the opposite for me. I'm old and I have a short memory. (laughs) Funny how time works. Anyway, my name is David and I'll talk to you later. Goodbye, John. Bye, David. Bye, everybody. Hang in there. Stay safe, everybody.